0: How's that there? Now I'm talking. Okay. I've got the microphone on.
1: Well, good morning. I guess I turned it off. I turned it back on Uh, too many buttons and too many switches here, but now you're hearing me. And if I pay attention to the little bar in front of me, the the sound meter bar it tells me that I'm on, but now, now you can hear me anyway. um, So good seeing melody out yesterday. And uh, surprising, it was just one week ago, you had your surgery, and you were already out and uh, about yesterday. So uh, we're uh, so thankful. Just don't overdo it, girl, okay? Don't, don't get crazy and overdo Don't go out and start raking out the yard or something like that. Just take it easy. So Claire talking about uh, uh, the Bible study. Uh, it was good. We need more prayers, though, so more people come you know be like jesus maybe you start with uh, a smaller group of people and you really disciple those people uh when when converts that you make into disciples who will disciple others who will bring others and uh, that's something that uh, you can uh, you can certainly think about uh and to make it an evangelistic Bible study, if you have people who aren't Christians or you're not sure about, to make it evangelistic in nature, there is a very, very good evangelistic study out there called uh, the Alpha Course. Now, when it gets to the the, uh, the area of the Holy Spirit, it's a little bit more open than, than maybe uh, some people would be comfortable with. I'm comfortable with it. Um, but it, it's it's designed to answer people's questions about the Christian faith. So it might be something that, uh, uh you would consider as, as another course. Um, uh, although I think you started out looking at, uh, answers in Genesis material, starting in the beginning is a good place to start. Um, absolutely is. Now, sometimes some of those studies pre-assume some Christian knowledge, uh, and although this one is, I, it's probably a good one as well. So, uh, and how you market it, uh, it, it, we, marketing, it, it can never be, it can be everything from a phone call, uh, to a postcard to an email to, I mean, there's, there's all those different things. I'm not talking like a marketing campaign with a billboard with Claire's face on a billboard saying, come to my Bible study, uh, type of thing. So, uh, um, but just how you get the word out about it and how do you get other people sharing the word about it? We are excited about that. I mean, I, I would be excited to see a Filipino church plant uh, here. I, I would, and I would come alongside and, and help work with that. It'd be great if Rassi chapel to start a Filipino church plant. Think about that. And uh, so, uh, you know, and, and what would that look like and, and how would that take shape and whatnot? So, uh, and to think about the strategy that Jesus followed, Jesus had a strategy. Uh, next fall we are going to uh, one way or the other host a strategy Saturday to, to learn Jesus strategy. We tend to read the Gospels and not always necessarily see the overall strategy that Jesus had, but there is a strategy there and it doesn't it isn't listed. it doesn't have a heading. It says here's the strategy. But as you study the Gospels, you begin to understand the strategy of how He worked. So, I just want to encourage you to to think about those things. We are going to get into the Book of Acts. Uh, it just seemed to make sense to me. We just finished up coming through the uh, through the Gospels, through the life of Christ, and we left off uh, with Him ascending. Uh, we, we left off considering the resurrection and then Him ascending, and we'll pick back up on that. Again here in the book of Acts this morning. So Acts chapter one, let me get us there. In my former book, Theophilus, uh, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to say. Now, now the uh the former book. What is the former book? You all know what the former book is, right? Uh I I'm 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 quite sure that you understand that he's talking about the gospel. Uh, in fact, the name Theophilus is only mentioned two, place, two places in the Bible. It's in Acts 1, and it is in uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, where he says to this man, in fact, let me take you back there, Luke chapter 1. Uh, and here it is: it says, Many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those uh, by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, O most excellent Theophilus, uh, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So we know that Theophilus has been taught by other people and uh, we know luke uh is he he is a researcher he is a scholar he is um a, a medical doctor so the idea of him investigating things he is investigating from a vantage point of uh of being uh one who, who would be recognized as a researcher, who would be respected uh, as a man of integrity, um, one who, who would be known for uh, his searching out knowledge and truth and its application as a doctor. Uh, and so that that is Luke. Uh, and Luke is writing probably between mm, AD 61 and AD 63, Days in which the apostle Paul was in prison in Rome, uh, but he's writing to Theophilus, and he's writing this account. He's trying to understand uh, he, he this idea where he says in Luke, "I have carefully investigated everything." I mean, he's one that if if the facts bore out that Jesus wasn't who people said he was, that's what he would have reported. But the facts don't bear that out. The facts bore out that Jesus was everything that he said he was, everything he was purported to be. And so people could have confidence in following after Jesus. So Luke chapter 1, talking about Theophilus. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 1, speaking about Theophilus. And uh, Theophilus, now now who was Theophilus? the meaning of the word actually there's a meaning to this word and what uh, what it means is friend of god or one loved by god so this person was named one who uh is loved by god or who is a friend of god what a great name uh so theo philos theo is god philos or phylos, you might say, like Philadelphia. Philos uh, is uh, a, a word for love, so you put the two together, uh, loved by God. Uh, and, and the most common theory about who this person was is, is that he was a person of high social standing. He was a friend of God. Uh, uh, and the way that he is addressed in Luke uh, as the most excellent Uh, Indicates that perhaps uh, he was a Roman citizen, uh, probably one who had official importance. Uh, It was a title of respect uh, and dignity. Uh, And with Luke writing to him, uh, he says this in Luke chapter 1. He says, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Gives the impression that Theophilus is probably uh, a Roman Gentile uh, with whom Luke ha- uh, has studied about Christianity. Uh, Luke wants to prove to Theophilus that what he has learned about Jesus is in fact true. Uh, Luke even includes Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. Uh it says, "In beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded uh, unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself." That's Luke chapter twenty-four, verse twenty-seven. Himself being not Luke, but this is when Jesus was talking to those disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus. Now, the introduction of the book of Acts here, Luke tells Theophilus that this is the second that this is the second volume, and it's a continuation of history he wrote about in the book of Luke. Uh, Luke continues the narrative detailing the growth of the early Christian church after Jesus returned to heaven. Again, wanting to show Theophilus the reality of Jesus, the truth of his death, of his resurrection. He speaks of many infallible proofs. In both volumes, he sets forth the facts that not only did Jesus die on the cross, but also rose again. Not only did Jesus rise again, but his disciples spread his teachings throughout many parts of the Roman Empire. Um, And we we need to remember that uh, uh, the book of Luke and Acts were not written just for Theophilus, but also for all who would read those accounts that they and we could be convinced of who Jesus is. Now, theories about Theophilus and there, there's all kinds of different things that people say. Some of the ideas and traditions people have come up with and, and some of the most uh, agreed upon, um, even though there there is very, very little evidence. One is some believe that he was a Jew from Alexandria uh, in, uh, in Egypt, which is a part of Africa, uh, that he was perhaps... Uh, uh, a part of what would have been the beginning of the Coptic or Ethiopian church because there's a tradition from the Ethiopian or the Coptic church that says Theophilus was a Jewish person of social standing who lived in Alexandria. Now, they call him a Jewish person. Uh, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist church, followed this idea in some of his teachings. (laughs) Some think he was a Roman official because Luke refers to him as most excellent, though later in the uh, Acts, Luke's, just mentioned him by name, which is what we've read, has an, an honorary title, uh, and some would maybe even say that Theophilus uh, is a misspelled uh, word in some of the copies, uh, and that what actually Luke was writing is he was writing to all the friends of God. Now, I, I think he was actually writing to uh, to a. Uh, to an actual individual that's my take on it right because just, just just the nature of how it's written I think he's writing to an actual individual I mean would to be cool if if you had a letter written to you uh, as as we read here a letter written to you from an individual who studied these things out and tells you that these things are in fact true so let's continue on in the book. We've, we've kind of talked a little bit about Theophilus and who he was. Luke's saying, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. So Luke covers the life of Christ from conception uh, all the way through ascension uh, in the gospel. And this book is not... Uh, not a book that now rehashes those things other than fortifies them um, as they are mentioned uh, throughout the text. Um, But this is now a a report of what happens after the ascension of Jesus. The book of Luke, again, covers from from, uh, conception all the way through to ascension. But then what happens? Acts is the story of that. So I wrote about all that Jesus began to do to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, while Luke says, and while this translation says, men, he showed himself to these men, we we read back in the gospel accounts, plural, how Jesus appeared to the women as well, um, but it was the apostles recognized as those leaders, and uh, to whom this responsibility of the establishment of the gospel all around the globe has been given, uh, and so he he speaks of those apostles. Verse 3, as we just read, after suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. We've just covered all that. We're not going to rehash that. That was stuff that we looked at uh, in, in the conclusion to uh, lessons from the life of Christ. Now we're lessons from the book of Acts. It says he appeared to them over that period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. It wasn't, some would say that, well, you know, they, they, they were hallucinating, well, they were hallucinating again and again and again, and it was a group hallucination then. Uh, if if they were, in fact, hallucinating, which they weren't, they were encountering the risen Christ. Some like to minimize this. Why do they want to minimize this? They want to minimize this because they don't want the responsibility. If, in fact, Christ has been raised That gives us the certainty that we should follow the scriptures. And that you, if you've never fallen before Christ, need to fall before Christ and trust him as your savior and and make him your Lord, follow him as your Lord, because if he in fact has been raised from the dead and if he in fact has ascended into heaven, this is a good guarantee that he in fact is coming again. And every word that he has spoken, in fact, every word of scripture is something that we can be. Uh, hanging right on Absolutely true. Luke continues a little bit further. He says, uh, um, on one occasion, verse 4, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. I mean, the fact that they they encountered him eating with them. This could be the, the John uh, 21 uh, eating fish uh, on the beach with the disciples uh, that you read about. We believe there were different occasions where they're eating fish. I mean fishing was one of the uh, was the livelihood of Peter, something to which he likely returned um, at least for food. So verse four, on one occasion while I was eating with him, he gave him this command, "Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Words right here in the book of Acts that some people don't like to talk about. The gift. What is the gift? Friends, you and I have been given two of the most phenomenal. In fact, I would say three, uh, maybe even four. There might even be more than that. In fact, uh, this week and then the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at 33 transactions that take place the moment that someone trusts in Christ. And that, that will be on Sunday mornings. 33 transactions the moment uh, that take place the moment someone trusts in Christ. We've been given so many gifts, but first we've been given the gift of salvation. That is one gift. But then secondly, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right here. Uh, in fact, these these are red letter words that you read about. Uh, that we're reading, he gave this command, but wait for the gift my father promised. These words uh, attributed to Jesus, wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Uh, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now there are all kinds of different thoughts about uh, you know this baptism of the Spirit. It's something that happens again and again and again. Uh, th- that is not the line of teaching that I want to follow because I, I I don't see that we are to be baptized again and again and again with the Holy Spirit. I, I don't see that. I, I just I don't read it in in the in the epistles. I don't read it in the Gospels. Uh, however, we are to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or by the Holy Spirit, or with the Holy Spirit. Uh, And the most common teaching for this, the most widely accepted teaching, to be baptized by the Holy Spirit means to be placed into Christ. It means the the work of of the Spirit of regenerating you into a legitimately brand new creation. in Christ, we are a new creature. The old is gone; the new has come. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. Being baptized, being placed into Christ—that—that that is how we will understand the baptism. I, I had a, a conversation with a a young girl over in South Sudan when I was there. Her name was Esta, which is Esther, just for the record, and uh, she was. Ask, asking me questions. She knew I was a pastor, and she was kind of the hotel manager of the guest house, which was like a hotel, really, uh, in many ways, uh, where I was staying. And she had a question about, well, how do I how do I get the Holy Spirit? And we talked about, well, do you follow Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord? Is he your Savior, as your Lord? And yes. And I said, well, you already have the Holy Spirit. I believe every Christian already has the Holy Spirit. I believe the Bible teaches that every Christian already has the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, the question is whether we will yield to him. The question is whether we will be aware of his presence in our life. Uh, the, the, the question is uh, whether we will, will choose to be filled. And to be filled is to be yielded to the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18 says, don't get drunk with wine. Don't let anything control you, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Um, filled is yielded, controlled, under the control of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 speaks about, you know, the, the the war between the flesh and the Spirit, and we have to choose to to walk in the Spirit that we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Friend, if you are a born-again Christian, you already have the Holy Spirit. He's already there. And you say, Pastor Jim, how can you say that? How do you know? Let me show you in Ephesians chapter one, uh, verse 13 and 14. uh, Says this, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel uh, of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of redemption uh, of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. It says, uh, having believed, belief, see there's our part of this, saving faith, true faith, honest faith, we heard the word of truth, and having believed, it says you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. This is the idea. You ever go to the notary, and they put a stamp in a document? Well, this this is the very thing that is being spoken about here. When it talks about a seal, it's that type of stamp that is put on you. I mean, it's even better than ink. It's like ink with a, with a stamp. It's It's... it's pressed into the paper so that it leaves the indentations. You have the indentations of the Holy Spirit. And verse 14 says uh, he is a a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. It says the redemption, it means that the full redemption. Now there is a question in the comments and I have an answer for you and the Bible actually gives the answer. Uh, How do we know we're walking in the spirit? Galatians 5.22 is the answer to that. Galatians 5.22 uh, answers the question uh, about uh, about uh, who is walking in the Spirit and who is not. So let me take you there. Someone asked the question. I want you to see. Some would say all kinds of other things that the Bible never really actually comes out and says. Uh, but it does say this, Galatians 5.16 uh, down through the end of Galatians chapter 5, really speaks about this. Keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And it goes on and talks about the sinful nature, desires what is contrary to the Spirit, Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Then it goes on and talks about the acts of the sinful nature, what they all are, that is verse 19, verse 20, and verse 21, but verses 22 and 23 tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. And friends, if you're walking in the Spirit, you will be exhibiting the Spirit's fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. But but it says, keep in step with the Spirit. How do you know? How do you know you're walking in the Spirit? Well, a couple things. I, I believe that uh, you, we can know that we're walking in the Spirit when, uh, when we know When we can, when we can say yes, we're exhibiting these fruits in our lives. Uh, I believe that we can say we're walking the spirit when we have the sense of being prompted by uh, the Holy Spirit to um, to take an action, and we follow through and take that action, and in taking that action. when we take that action, uh, we will have a sense of the Spirit's pleasure exhibited by the Spirit's fruit in our lives. Uh, that is my answer. Yes, in verse 19, verse 19, if, if you listen to what I said, verses 17, 18, uh, no, verses uh, verse 19, 20, and 21 uh, are verses that speak about living in the sinful nature. Uh, you, you look at verse 17. Uh, verse 17 says this, the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit, what's contrary to the sinful nature, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verses 19, 20, and 21 are the fruit of the flesh. Verses 22 and 23 are the fruit of the Spirit. And we still have both. I mean, the Apostle Paul talks about us Still having both in uh, in Romans chapter seven. Uh, Romans chapter seven, Paul says these things. Uh, I, I'm going to go to verse eight. I, I, we don't have time to cover all these verses, but sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of. Let me put this up so you can see it. Every kind of covetousness covetous desire for apart from the law sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law but when the commandment came sin sprang to life and I died. I found the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. I mean the law helps us understand our need of Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. So then the law is holy. The commandment is holy, righteous and good. That which is good then become death to me by no means, but in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might be utterly sinful. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. It is no longer as it is, it is no longer I myself would do it, but sin living in me. And he talks about this struggle between the flesh, uh, and and the spirit, and not always doing what he wants to do, and and what not always doing the things that God would want him to do, and and so we have this struggle. Well, friends, I mean we we've come to the end of the hour, the half hour already, and uh, uh, we've we've talked about Theophilus, the friend of God, and hopefully today you will live as a Theophilus, as a friend of God. Uh, we've talked about the workings. Uh, uh we've talked about the, the workings of uh the holy spirit uh, i've interacted some with some comments here um and uh one one last comment that, that is here that i just want to interact with just ever so briefly uh is, is the comment uh, there is no repentance uh, they are not true believers the question would be what does true repentance look like that that's the question and uh you know does it have to be falling down to your face before god and weeping and tears and gnashing of teeth uh is that is that what true repentance looks like so that's where it can get a little tricky. what does true repentance look like and i don't dis- I, I i don't disagree i i agree that there'll be repentance there's turning from self turning to god that is repentance and and uh that will be a part of of the sal- salvation, the salvific experience uh, of of turning to Christ is, is that form of repentance. Well, friends, today I want to encourage you with two things. First, live as a friend of God. Uh, secondly, live in the Spirit of God. Uh, we've received the gift that He has given us. In fact, I never finished out the gifts. We, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of 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 salvation, the gift of the Word of God, the gift of the family of God. He has given us so much, and there are so very many good reasons to continue following after him. Lord, help us today to live as a friend of God. Help us to live life in step with the Spirit. that We might experience and demonstrate the Spirit's fruit in our lives, pointing others to Jesus. Be glorified in us and through us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, have a great day. We will see you again tomorrow.